Lord God, we truly want to be where you are, Lord. Just that song, God, the words just echo my heart, Lord, and our hearts as we long to be with you, to be close with you, to be where you are, Lord. And one day you're coming again. One day you're taking us home to you in the rapture, Lord. And God, I can't wait for that day to be with you. And Lord, we just worship you and we bow down to you. We feel your presence now, Lord, and your spirit already moving upon our hearts. And I ask that your spirit would move in your word now, God, as we study your word. May the, may the sentences, the verses, God, that are on our pages of our Bible just jump out, Lord, to us. And may it speak deeply into our hearts. God, and may we continue to just touch your presence as we get into your word right now. So anoint this time with your spirit, Lord, and uh, bless it now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we are back in the uh, gospel of Luke in our study here. Luke chapter 21, we return after a few weeks, after our great Easter week, and uh, Uh, Tonight, we're going to be in Luke chapter 21, studying verses 29 through 38. And uh, the title of our message is, When Will the End Come? So Luke 21, 29 through 38, and our title once again is, When Will the End Come? I was thinking about this. Have you ever heard of the doomsday clock? Uh, Back in 1947, a group of atomic scientists at the University of Chicago, and I was reading actually Albert Einstein was part of that, they put together a clock with hands that are close to midnight representing really global catastrophe that would happen when it strikes at midnight, and which really talks about the end of the world. Well, in 1947, the doomsday clock was began and its hands were set to seven minutes to midnight citing the unchecked scientific and technological advances. They were kind of in fear of how far technology and man would go in possibly bringing the end of the world. Well, in 1953, the, the hands of the clock was set to two minutes before midnight when both the U.S. and the Soviet Union tested nuclear devices. So that put the world on alert. Well, fast forward in 1991, the hands were moved uh, further away, actually, to the furthest away ever the clock has been, to 17 minutes before midnight, when the U.S. and Soviet Union signed a arms reduction treaty. So it seemed like, oh, the end of the world is farther away. But in in 2020, the clock has been set to 100 seconds before midnight because of tensions going on in the world, particularly between U.S. and Iran, and also the end of the nuclear arms treaty between U.S. and Russia. Now, I checked. Uh, there was actually an announcement just this past month in March When Russia invaded Ukraine, they kept the clock still 100 seconds before midnight. So I guess they're kind of waiting to see uh, if things will escalate and we'll see what happens. So does the doomsday clock really indicate how close to the end we are? Does it really show us that? 
When, when will the end come? And as you know, as we've been studying Luke chapter 21, we've been seeing that the end meant, the end of the world meant the coming of Jesus Christ, ending the world as we know it, and setting up his kingdom on the earth, the millennium as we know. Well, as we return to our study in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus gives us a clue about when that will happen. Now, understand in our last three studies, uh, uh, about starting probably then about a month ago now, but the last three studies in Luke 21, we've been going through what is called the Olivet Discourse, which is what Jesus had given the disciples about end-time prophecy sitting on the Mount of Olives, uh, the hill across from the Temple Mount of Jerusalem. So it's called the Olivet Discourse. It's the prophecy on the end times by Jesus. And if you remember, it started out with the disciples actually asking in verse 7 of chapter 21 of Luke, Teacher, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? So the last three studies we did in this chapter, really Jesus answered the second question first, was what will be the signs? And we covered those in a three-part series there. Well, now as we come into verse 29, Jesus now gives uh, when that will happen. He gives more, he answers uh, when uh, these things are going to come to pass. So that's what we're going to see tonight. Jesus answers that second question, or maybe I should say the first question, when will the end come? And that's what we're going to see in Luke chapter 21 from verse 29 through 38. We see, first of all, in this chapter, and this is our outline, or in these set of verses, which we're going to finish the chapter, we see, number one, see the fig tree. Number two, see the final generation. And number three, see the faithful one. So that's our outline for tonight. Let's begin with number one, see the fig tree. See the fig tree. Now we're going to be covering verses 29 through 31 in this first section. Let's take a look at those verses right now, 29 through 31, uh, Luke chapter 21. It begins here, And he told them a parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already here. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. So we're going to stop right here in our first section. We begin with the writer Luke who wrote this gospel. He starts to tell how Jesus now, that's in verse 29, he, the he there, Jesus told them who? The disciples. Remember, this is part of the Olivet Discourse where he's talking to disciples, sharing the prophecies of the end time. So after all that he said earlier, he now tells them a parable. And remember, a parable is a story or an example or like this analogy to help you understand the truths of God, to understand his principles. And here we see to understand about when the end will take place. So really we come into this analogy. So he tells them this analogy, this parable, look at the fig tree. Now perhaps when he said look, he's actually pointing to a fig tree. Because in the land of Israel, especially back then, there was fig trees 
all over the place. It was common to have fig trees in, in Israel. So he probably pointed to one. And he said, look at the fig tree. And, and like all the trees, we think about all the trees, as soon as they come out and leaf. In other words, as soon as we pass from the deadness of winter and spring comes along, the leaves start budding. The leaves start to come out and sprout out from the dead branches. So as soon as they come out, like in the springtime, you will you see for yourself. That's this is you can see for yourselves that you know what that summer is already near because we know from winter comes the spring, yeah, and after spring comes the summertime. And so it was in the summertime actually that the fig tree would give fruit also. So they, they, they knew that, well, once you see the leaves, that we know the season of summer is coming. Uh, the tree is coming alive, and we know then summer is going to be near. So that's the analogy. So then Jesus says, well, so also when you see these things taking place, what is these things? It's really everything that Jesus had talked about. So Jesus is saying, so here's the analogy. When you see these things, when you see like the budding of the fig tree in the springtime, you know summer's going to come. So you know when you see these things, these signs, what the signs are that I just told you about, then you know that the end is near, that the end is going to come next, which is, as I defined it, the end of the world where Jesus Christ returns and ends the world as we know it, and he sets up his kingdom. Now, these things that are going to be taking place, we've seen that in this chapter. We saw in verse 8, the rise of false messiahs, right? We saw in verse 9 and 10, that conflict going uh, between nations, the wars of nations. Uh, We saw in verse 11, calamity happening over all the whole world. We saw in verse 12, that crushing persecution, which is it's going to come to a peak during the tribulation time. Verse 20, Uh, We saw the abomination of desolation, which tells us the rise of the Antichrist. And remember, we talked about how he stands in the temple, declares himself God, the Jewish temple, and, and requires the whole world to worship him. The abomination of desolation, it's called. Well, well, that is going to happen in the tribulation years, actually three and a half years, halfway into that time of the tribulation. And then we saw in verse 25 and 26, we saw just all kinds of calamities, catastrophes happening as the universe seems to like fall apart. And if you remember, I had mentioned in a parallel passage in Matthew 24, verse 8, that Jesus had said in In that Olivet Discourse, that account of it, in which we could insert it here to understand, that Jesus says, these are the beginning of birth pains. And you remember how I mentioned that as these things that Jesus had just talked about increase in frequency and intensity, just like birth pains, we know that the end is near. So here's Jesus saying these things, all these things, these things that happen in tribulation, they build up into the tribulation. When you see these things taking place, then know, he says here in verse 31, you know that the kingdom of God is near. And what's the kingdom of God? Jesus coming, ending this world as we know, setting up the millennial kingdom, that the kingdom of God is near. It's, it's just about to happen. That You know what? The return of Jesus is the very next thing on God's calendar. 
So understand, much of what was described happens in the tribulation years, that last seven years of the world as we know it. And we've talked about it plenty in Revelation, our study in Book of Revelation. And we went to detail there in, in, in that whole passage in the middle of the Book of Revelation. And so we know at the end of the Red Revelation, then Jesus returns right and that's what we talked about last time in verse 27 and they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory that's when he comes that's the end of the world that's when he sets up the kingdom so here's jesus saying hey you know just like the tree yeah starts to bud when you see these things these events say in the tribulation come to pass then you know what's coming next just like the tree budding in the springtime, then summer's the next event. Well, next season. So the next event on God's calendar will be Jesus setting up the kingdom. I was thinking about how it's like when, you know, when the trades switch from blowing northeast and then they switch to the south and the conas come in. And then we, we, we predict what? We, we, we predict that, oh, there's a storm coming. Yeah? The normal trade wind pattern ends. And so what's going to come next? Oh, the storm when the winds switch. Well, that's the same idea. So what we see here is like the budding leaves of the fig tree, so will the signs that Jesus is coming soon. That's what Jesus is talking about. Like the budding leaves of the fig tree, so this. So will the signs that Jesus, signs will be that Jesus is coming soon. So uh, that's the analogy here that he's talking about. You know, today I was thinking about how we see signs of the end, that the, the tribulation years are coming, are very near. I kind of see it that way. I kind of see that, oh, the tribulation is around the corner. There's things happening today as science to tell us that. And after the tribulation, we under from, understand from Scripture is the millennium when Jesus Christ returns and he brings uh, in this kingdom that period of a millennium. But first is a tribulation. And I feel like, oh, there's signs today, like the analogy of this fig tree budding. There's some things budding now pointing into the tribulation. For example, we see a very big push uh, like never before more and more push of globalism which is that one world mentality uh, let's all get together let's be one world let's take down the borders yeah let's not separate each other by countries but we're, we're all one world now uh, we're one people and it's really setting things up it's like uh, um, the enemy satan's really setting things up uh, for his guy, the Antichrist, for setting up a one-world government. And as we talked about in the book of Revelation, one-world religion. So this one-world globalistic push is setting up for a one-world government, one-world religion. And in that uh, push and getting things ready for the Antichrist to rise up and rule this one world government and promote this one world religion which is all going to happen in the tribulation years so we see that becoming now that like it's the fig tree's budding into showing the tribulation when that's gonna full come out the leaves and then christ returns you know there's something else interesting to me too that lately in these past years there's been a stronger push now lately for the jews to be able to worship on the temple mount 
uh, right now, it's, it, it's against the law, actually, for Jews to worship there. You know why? Because the Dome of the Rock Mosque is on top of there, one of the main uh, Muslim temples. And the, the Muslims can go up there and worship there on the mosque, and, uh, but the Jews cannot go up there because it would just start this huge kind of conflict and probably a, a huge war. So Israel's been holding the Jews back. But, but there's been a lot of guys sneaking up there or getting caught. I've been seeing articles here and there. And like there's a whole push for the Jews to be able to worship on the temple mount and for me that goes along with you know what there's going to be a temple rebuilt we saw that also in the book of revelation that during the tribulation i believe the antichrist will help in brokering a peace deal perhaps maybe uh, this is just speculation oh you know antichrist might say hey why don't you guys, uh, Israel, give give a little a bit of, of Jerusalem, you know, West Jerusalem, and and you know to the, the the Arabs, and then you know, and you Arabs let them build their temple, and so some little peace deal will be maybe made, perhaps in that way, and they could rebuild their temple. Well, a temple has to be rebuilt, not only because it's prophesied in the Book of Revelation, but also. The Antichrist has to have a Jewish temple to be able to stand in and declare himself God and require the worship of the world. So uh, that those are things that have to happen. So I see a little budding, you know, here going on in the fig tree in in this analogy to see, oh, hey, things are getting set up for the tribulation, for things, uh, for prophecy to be f- fulfilled. So there's a whole setup going on. You know, if there's one thing that will set all of this up uh, for the rise of the Antichrist, in which I believe, is first main event, I think that's going to happen right before the tribulation, is the attack of Israel from Russia and a coalition of countries, uh, mostly Muslim, against Israel, attack on Israel. I mean, that's the Ezekiel 38, 39 prophecy that I've talked about. I believe that will happen first and i believe before that or even during that i think it's before i believe the rapture will happen and the church as believers will be taken home to be with the lord so you see all these things are being set up we see a little budding so it's it's starting to show that oh this time of christ's return is coming soon it's very near the kingdom of god is very near because I see the tribulation can come very soon. And then even before that, Ezekiel 38 prophecy, that has to be around the corner. And we see the power of Russia uh, happening right now. I'll talk about that in a moment. But that means then the rapture can happen at any moment. So you see all of these things are lining up in succession. And it's like telling us, whoa, the time is soon. When's it going to happen? The time is very near. And you know what? All these signs is really asking you tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready for all this to happen? Is Jesus really in your life? I mean, I mean, really. Is he part of your life? Do you have this relationship with Jesus? Or is it just some ritual? Do you come to church because, oh, well, I got to come. Or you do it in a ritual way like, Oh, well, if I come, then I think God will bless me. But there's no real relationship with God. 
I mean, when we worship tonight, it's like I'm with Jesus. You know, when we are worshiping, and even though I was playing a bass, I, I just felt the Lord. I felt like, oh God, I just want to be with you. I just want to spend more moments like this with you. I love to be with the Lord. Do you love to be with Jesus? Or it's just a, well, I come, did my time, and go out kind of thing. Yeah, kind of check the boxes, uh, check your time card, you know, stamp your time card, go out. But is there really something in your heart? It's important because we see today some real things happening like never before that indicate to us that this fig tree is budding. So, Jesus starts to show us a little bit. When Answer the question, actually. When will the end come? Well, it gives us an analogy of the fig tree. See the fig tree. Let's go on to number two now. See the final generation. Number two, see the final generation. And we go on to verse 32 and 33 in this section. Take a look at these two verses. It says in verse 32, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So in giving this analogy, this parable, in this picture of the fig tree now, we, we see Jesus uh, is giving this and he says, Truly I say to you. In other words, he's he's saying, most certainly what I'm saying is the truth. Most certainly this will happen. And he's saying here in verse 32 that this generation, the generation of people that sees these signs, these things happening, will not pass away. In other words, this generation won't, Uh, go off and die out and a new generation come in he's saying this generation will not pass from the scene this generation will not die out until all these things take place until all the prophecies all these things that jesus talked about what we saw in chapter 21 are fulfilled and guess what jesus returns So that's an amazing thing that he's telling us. The generation that sees these signs will see Jesus return. Isn't that amazing? And to make sure that we understand the truth of this, he adds this. Heaven and earth, in verse uh, 33, will pass away. We've talked about that. We're actually in that in the book of Revelation, right? How God makes a whole new heaven, a whole new universe, a whole new earth, yeah, a whole new heaven. All the old stuff will pass away. Yeah, it won't be there anymore. But the heavens and earth, yeah, they're going to pass away because God's going to make a whole new one. But you know what he, he says? He says, my words, yeah, Jesus, his words, his actual words, his promises, and what he's prophesying here will not pass away. God's word, God's promises, Jesus' predictions, what he's saying, they're solid, they're true, they, prophecies will happen just as he said. So he's saying that generation, oh, it's going to happen. They're going to see it for sure. Now, I want to uh, uh, give you a couple thoughts here. Uh, with all of this, the fig tree, um, this uh, parable, 
with this generation not passing away, seeing all these end-time events happening and this generation not passing away. Now, in the basic interpretation here, I, I believe it's, it, this passage is really speaking now uh, to those who will live through the tribulation, who will be living in the tribulation. Because remember, we understand, right, in our studies, and First Thessalonians have been talking to you about that, the believers will be taken up in the rapture, right? The, the, the believers before the tribulation, pre-trib, I believe in, the believers will be taken up. Uh, we're not under the wrath of God, the judgment of God falling upon the world during the tribulation. Uh, so we know believers, the church, will be taken up to heaven before the tribulation starts. But after that, during the tribulation, there will be some who will get saved. They will come to Jesus Christ. Maybe it will be our family, our neighbors, people we witnessed to that did not really give their life to Christ. Maybe there's some here in this room or some so you connected. Maybe you didn't really give your life to Christ. And what if the rapture happens and you're not a believer, you're not going to go, and then you're going to, be living through the tribulation, but then you'll realize, whoa, it is real. It is true. Well, uh, those believers, as I call them, there will be tribulation saints alive during the tribulation years. And also we know in our studies in Revelation that Israel as a nation in general will come to believe in Jesus as their Messiah and will be saved. And God will protect them through the persecution and during the tribulation uh, and from the Antichrist. And so they'll be kept safe. So those guys, the Jewish believers, will be living through the tribulation. So as they read this passage and they see these prophecies unfolding in front of them and they're living through these prophecies actually being, uh, 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 being going on right then, then it's going to speak to them. They are that generation. As they understand what, is, what they're uh, seeing, they're going to know, oh, Jesus Christ, the next event, he's going to return. He's going to bring the kingdom. So they are definitely going to be that generation of people who see these things. They're going to experience Christ returning. But I think it can also even speak to us, that we could be that very part of this last generation, that as we even see pre-signs to these signs, that we see some of the signs even being fulfilled. Uh, it, uh, the pre-signs, I, I call it, setting up to the signs that Jesus talked about that are going to happen in the tribulation year. So think about that. If, if the tribulations can come really soon, yeah, within, say, our lifetime, with our generation, uh, us people living now, then it's almost like we're partaking of that last generation also. There is also another way to look at what Jesus is saying here. Now, many believe that Jesus is referring, with this fig tree, referring to a rebirth of the nation of Israel, that budding forth. Yeah, that sprouting forth uh, of the leaves coming out. 
So many believe that the fig tree here in this passage is speaking about the nation of Israel. And that generation who sees Israel rebirth, become a nation again, they know that they live in the end times, that they live in in this time of prophecy that Jesus is talking about. Let me explain. In the Old Testament, like uh, Hosea 9.10, the last part, Israel was talked about as being fruit on a fig tree. Back in, if you remember, Luke 13, uh, verse 6 through 9, uh, Jesus gave a parable about Israel being a fruitless fig tree. Uh, because, and then Jesus talked about um, the, because of their rejection of him, the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 21, from verse 18 to 20, Israel uh, was, was like a fig tree that Jesus had cursed. Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered and died. And that was a picture of Israel, how as the nation rejected Christ as the Messiah, that that, that fig tree will end up withering uh, and dying. And so uh, it's believed that Jesus is talk, talking about when in 70 AD, remember when the temple it was destroyed, Jerusalem was destroyed, and that was really whatever what was left some sort of as a nation, that was really the end. Their way of life, their way as a nation was no more. And then the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were scattered throughout the world, no more a nation. But there is a prophecy that was made in Ezekiel 36, 24, that God would revive the nation and bring the people back into the land. That Israel would become a nation again. So the thought is here that when Jesus was talking about the fig tree, attaching it to these other times of mentioning Israel, Jesus mentioned Israel like talking about as a fig tree, and then connecting it with the prophecy that Israel will become a nation, that it was that uh, uh, event of Israel becoming a nation, of the fig tree budding forth, its leaves coming, will indicate that we're in the last time, the end times, and that generation that sees Israel uh, will be that last generation, and we'll see all these signs. Well, the amazing thing, right, we know in history we know today, May 14, uh, 1948, Israel became its own sovereign nation again. We're, we're living in that day. I mean, that is Bible prophecy come to pass. And today we're like, oh yeah, well, since 1948. But think about how amazing that is. I mean, this happened even after a million Jews died in the Nazi camps. still Israel became a nation. Even after, say, about almost 2,500 years when the the nation itself actually ended when the Babylonians came and and destroyed the city, took over Israel, right? Um, There was no more kings after that. There was no more uh, uh, rulers in that way after that. The nation was done for. As, as a nation occupying land and a country ever since the Babylonian times. Yet, God brought them back into the mm-hmm. land. In June of 1967, they actually took control of 
Jerusalem. They didn't have it at that time, but in 1967 they did. And that, that was the first time since 586 B.C., since the Babylonians came. Here's the thing. This is how amazing it is. Never before has an ethnic group who lost their land, who is dispersed and scattered, uh, who is able to maintain and keep their national identity as, as Jewish people, even, even holding on to Judaism in their beliefs now, in their culture. Uh, they kept that for like 2,000 years. Never has there been an ethnic group like that. Return to the homeland now and become a sovereign governing nation. Never. But it was prophesied, and guess what? God did that. God did that and fulfilled the prophecy. So, many feel Israel is this budding fig tree talked about here. And it means the end is near, knowing that, hey, the generation that sees, yeah, uh, the, you know, all these things come past. I'm going to see the return of Jesus. Well, the question comes with that thought when Jesus talks about this, you know, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away. The thought comes then, oh, well, maybe then we can figure out the timing to Jesus' return if we look at a generation, right? Because that's a fixed number of years. Well, it sounds easy, but it's not. Uh, you think that, well, we can know the timing when uh, the end will come, when Jesus will return and all of that. Exactly, you know, because we can figure out generation. But a biblical generation is a little bit more harder to nail down. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 2.14, it calls a generation 38 years. In Numbers 32 verse 13, it calls a generation 40 years. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, the Lord tells Abraham that his descendants will be strangers in a land for 400 years, talking the prophecy of Egypt. Then in verse 16 of that chapter, the Lord says, but the fourth generation will return to the land, which means that if, it, if 400 years are going to be on land and the fourth generation is going to return, that means a generation is 100 years. So it's kind of hard to figure out what that exactly means biblically. If we were to calculate when uh, Israel became a nation in 1948 and we had the 38 years, that would be 1986. Uh, well, Jesus didn't return. Tribulation didn't happen, so that's not right. If, if he had the 40 years from 1948, that would be 1988. When that was coming up, there's these books out. People were saying, oh, it's 1988, 88 reasons for Christ to return in 1988, all that. Well, it didn't happen. If you had 100 years, well, that puts it at 2048. If you say a, a generation is 100 years, could that be the date, 2048? I don't know. Some say, well, no, no, no. You've got to calculate from 1967 now when... Uh, Israel took control of Jerusalem, yeah, and the mount when they captured that, when that became part of uh, uh, the nation of Israel. So when they took control of Jerusalem, 1967. So if you add these years in, uh, the different uh, scenarios of ge generations, 
uh, you would come up like from going from 1967, if you had 38 years, it'd be like um, thir- uh, 2005 or 40 years, um, 2007, or 100 years would be 2067. So is, is that actually the date? Well, can it be? Maybe. Who says though, and this is, this is my thought, who says that at the end of the generation is supposedly when that's when Jesus returns? Can it be within, you know, that generation? Because what I read, I say to you, truly say to you in verse 32, this generation will not pass away until it's taken place. So it doesn't mean you have to come to the end, right, of whatever that number is. It could be within those that that generation of numbers. So, you know what? It kind of leaves it in the open, doesn't it? We don't know exactly that that date, exactly that time when Jesus will return. And actually, nobody knows, right? Matthew twenty four thirty six says, "But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father." only so no one knows exactly but what we do know it will happen that's what jesus is saying it's gonna happen so it, it could be that the generation that's alive generally speaking when israel became a nation and is functioning as a nation that that will basically be that last generation so what we see here is this. The generation that sees the end time signs will also experience the time of the end. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like Israel, maybe becoming a nation, if you hold to that. And I, 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 I really lean toward that. Uh, uh, I was reading about um, the Israeli-born Amir Safarti. He's the founder of um, Behold Israel Ministries, international speaker. He goes around speaking at a lot of conferences, and he's he's Jewish guy, you know, and and knows Israel, knows everything, Christian believer. He said this: We are the most blessed generation, watching more prophecies being fulfilled than ever before. The return of the Jews to Israel, the reestablishment of Jerusalem, the marvelous turn of Israel from almost being annihilated in 1948 to become the eighth superpower of the world, the technology, the advancements. We call it the miracle that is called Israel. That, that's what they call themselves. Uh, back then, um, he, he was talking about in 1948, uh, the nation started with 800,000 Jews, 800,000 people. Today, in 2022, it's close to 10 million in the population of that country. And there's still more, uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands coming, uh, re- Jews returning to the land of Israel. And it keeps growing, which really fulfills Ezekiel 37:12, which says, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. So to me, it, it kind of makes sense, this fig tree budding here, you know, uh, coming forth. Um, Amir said, in talking about the fig tree and all, and he believes that too, um, he said, the return of the Jews to their land is the most 
important sign of the end times. And, and no matter how you feel about the fig tree, we know that that is a fulfillment of prophecy which we see in Ezekiel. So we know that that is a sign of the end no matter what. It's seen Israel. And you know what? That should spark our hearts. Yeah. That should spark our hearts that, oh, it, it's coming. Things are rolling. Now, of course, in God's grace, he could stay his hand. I mean, I remember um, Pastor Chuck uh, for years, you know, was talking about uh, these prophet. I grew up, you know, listening to the prophecies and explanation of uh, what Jesus is saying, Ezekiel, Revelation, all of that. And every um, New Year's Eve, he would do like this prophecy update. And every year he would say, I really feel like this is the year Christ is coming. Every year he'd say, but everyone knew, yeah, no one knows the day or hour. But he would just say, you know, I, this, this could be it. And he, he would talk about why, you know, with current events. And, and that went on for years. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, God and his sovereign plan and timing, you know, I, maybe it's good God waits or stays his hand because he can save more people. But time will come when that's it. The rapture is going to happen. That's it. Tribulation will come. That's it. The end of the world will come to pass. But you know what? It doesn't have to be a condemning thing. It doesn't have to be a fearful thing. You know, it should spark joy in our hearts. You know, and how does that become? How do we get that joy? By receiving Christ. By being right with the Lord. By falling in love with Jesus. Uh, see, going to church and being a Christian isn't about doing these things. Yeah, It's about this relationship. It's about knowing God. It's about getting close to Him. And, and, and that should spark joy in our heart that one day we would be with Jesus. Be with Him. That's not to talk about the, oh, we'd be out of this world, right? <laughs> this crazy stuff that's going on. That that we would be over our, you know, troubles and trials and pressures and stresses and things. That, oh, we'd be free of that. That's not to talk about that, but that's going to be great too. But to be with Jesus, when I hear about these things, when we talk about these things, that's what sparks joy into my heart, to be with him. So, when will the end come? Well, Jesus says, see the fig tree. And see, it's going to be the final generation. Well, let's go to number three in outline. We'll finish up this chapter and see the faithful ones. See the faithful ones. We're going to be covering verse 34 through 38 here. But let's take a look at verse 34. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And then verse 36. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We'll stop there. So, with all this talk about the end times, Jesus gives this word of warning now. 
He says here in verse 34, but watch yourselves. Let your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. He's saying, watch yourselves. Watch out for yourself. Watch out for for strain. Watch out for that, that sinful nature pulling you away. Watch out that your hearts are not weighed down. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about that your heart is weighed down with sin, with things like he mentions dissipation, which is uh, uh, another word for like partying, you know? uh, drunkenness, you know? getting drunk, weighed down with cares of this life. It speaks of getting weighed down with just life and the world because, well, the anxieties and everything because you're so caught up in living life in, in this world uh, that you're not with God. And so it's all about, oh, the, the world, your life, and this earth, and living here, and all of that. And he's saying, watch yourself. You know why? Because that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. What day? The Lord's return. The signs of these times. The, the rapture. The, all these events, it's going to come upon you surprisingly. Uh, it's going to be a shock to you. It's going to come and, and bite you like a, a, a trap when you don't expect it. And it's going to come. Notice that, that he says here in verse um, 35, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. It's not just one country. It's not just a certain people group. It, 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 it is the whole earth. The whole world is going to be experiencing the things and the judgment and the wrath of God being poured out during the tribulation years. So Jesus is like, watch out. Don't get caught up in the world and its things and in a sinful lifestyle. But he says, stay awake in verse 36. In other words, you know, don't slack spiritually. Be attentive to the things that he's talking about. Um, Be praying, he's saying. Praying that you may have strength to escape. What is he talking about? How do you have strength? How can you escape these things? Remember, it's the judgment of God falling upon the world. You know how you escape? By the blood of Jesus Christ, that's how. By being saved by him. By understanding that. Every believer who is saved and rescued by Christ's blood, who's forgiven and made righteous, will be spared of going into the tribulation. We are not under the wrath, Thessalonians tells us. And so we can escape all these things, the tribulation, all the things falling upon the earth, all that are going to take place, and we'll be able to stand before the Son of Man that's Uh, another word for Jesus, who's going to be the judge, right? Another word for the Messiah, who will judge the saved and the unsaved, but we won't have to be judged to condemnation as unbelievers. So we uh, can um, stand before. We won't have to um, be condemned. So make sure, Jesus saying, you have Jesus. Make sure that you're awake, that you're attentive to these things. Make sure that you are saved. So the first thing is this. Watch how you live by living as if Jesus is to return at any moment. That's the way to live. Make sure we're right with God, saved and all. Be attentive 
to what he wants us to do. Be ready for his coming. Watch how you live by living as if Jesus is to return at any moment. But let me tell you, it's not going to be like that for many. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 1. This is this is prophesied now. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of themselves. Uh, lovers of money, proud, um, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. In the last days, in the end times, this is the attitude that's going to be more prevalent. There, when I talk about there's a darkness coming in the land, this is what I'm talking about. When there's more of a push from Satan, there's more of a darkness, dark hearts, it's going to affect people it's going to affect the world and it's you know what even gonna as we're going to see in a moment in this passage uh it's going to affect even those who say they follow jesus but people can be thinking about themselves more they're going to be into money more they're going to be totally proud abusive look at this disobedient to their parents yeah disrespectful to their parents ungrateful unholy verse two heartless unappeasable, slanderous. I'm thinking about all that, the stuff that goes on in uh, social media. Without self-control, just doing whatever uh, the, the flesh wants. Uh, brutal, not loving good. How about that? Not wanting to do the right things. Not loving good, but what's opposite? Oh, liking the bad, right? Verse 4, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, how many times are we tempted to uh, give in to our pleasures rather than doing what God wants, yeah? Rather than loving God with our whole heart, mind, and strength, oh, we just want to do what we want to do and have fun all the time, yeah? Be given over to our pleasures. And then, look at verse 5 having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. So this is prophesied. The world's going to be like that. Even those who call themselves believers are going to become more and more like this. They, they look like they're saved, but they don't really have the power of God in them because they're not saved. They may talk like, oh, I'm a Christian, but they're not going to live like they're a Christian. They don't have that power in them because they're not really Christian. And they may even come to church and, and, and look like, talk like, walk like, say the right things. But during the week, they're not really living as a believer. They're not living like one at home. They're not living like one in their marriage. They're not living like one and at their workplace. That's what is prophesied that's going to happen in the end times. So back to Luke, Jesus is warning, watch how you live, you know, by living as if Jesus is to return at any moment. Live like you are saved. Live like you won't have any regrets if Jesus comes and takes you home if you're a believer. So don't get caught up with your own sinful flesh and temptations of the world because society is exactly what we 
read. And you know what? That's another sign of the end. Of the end. Well, look at verse 37. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So Luke kind of ends this section about the Olivet Discourse as um, with this thought. Every day now, Jesus was teaching in the temple. And when night came, when the day was over, he would go to Olivet, or the Mount of Olives. And remember I mentioned that on the other side of the hill, I was where Mary and Martha lived, and Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. And that was like their, their place they stayed at when they were in Jerusalem. Remember, they, they were from Galilee, the northern area. But when they went to Jerusalem, they would hang out with these guys. And uh, they, they, had, uh, you know, they allowed Jesus to stay in their home and the disciples. So, so at night, he'd go back. But then early in the morning, Jesus would go to the temple and... All the people, I like this, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. And I believe Luke writes this and puts this right here at the end of all this prophecy because he shares what is really important is that we stay in the word of God. So here's the second thing. Stick to the teaching of God's word And be faithful to live by that. It goes along with Jesus saying, Hey, you know, watch how you live, living as if Jesus is to return um, at any moment. Well, how are we to live? Well, stick to the teaching of God's word and be faithful to live by that. So I believe Luke puts this in here about how important it was for the people who are hearing him. We got to hear him too. Are you hearing him? Are you really listening? Are you, as we study God's word and we're looking into these verses like tonight, are we really receiving from God or does it go in one ear and just go out the other ear? C.H. Spurgeon said, If you wish to know God, you must know his word. If you wish to perceive his power, you must see how he works by his word. If you wish to know his purpose before it comes to pass, you can only discover it by his word. We got to get into his word. We got to understand his word. And we have to apply the word of God into our lives. And that's the best way, you guys, to prepare yourself for the coming of Jesus Christ. You know, don't put this off. Which Jesus has told us, it should cause us to get closer to the Lord. It should cause us to repent of our sins. It should cause us to change our life, change the way we live, change the way we think, to line up more with the Word of God. Don't put off what Jesus is asking you to do today. Don't put off tomorrow what you need to do today. Because if you stay there, then you're already lost. I read this poem. It goes, Miss Meant To, who has a friend named Miss Didn't Do. Have you ever chanced to meet them? Did they ever call on you? These two girls now live together in a house of never uh, win. 
And I'm told that it is haunted by the ghost of might have been. Careful that you don't put off what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now. Because if you put off, you may not ever do it. If you keep rejecting the calling of the Holy Spirit, the, the pressing of the Spirit on your heart, the conviction of the Spirit, one day you're not going to be hearing it anymore. But you know what? Set your sights on Jesus. Set your focus on Jesus. The time is now to live for him. The time is now to be all that he's making you into. Because we're seeing more and more prophecies are setting up for what is going to happen in the coming years. In the tribulation years, I should say. I'll close with this. You know what? On the same day that Russia attacked Ukraine, this was reported in the Jerusalem Post. This headline, Russia takes issue with Israel's sovereignty over the Golden, Golan Heights in Jerusalem. Now, back in 2017, Moscow actually recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. But the deputy ambassador, Dmitry Polonensky, told the UN Security Council on that same day that Russia attacked Ukraine that Russia sees the Golan Heights as part of Syria, not Israel. And as he was talking about this at the same time, he referred to Tel Aviv as Israel's government, not Jerusalem. Could this be a start, perhaps, of Russia's stance against Israel? Could it be uh, them starting to uh, bring um, in some rhetoric that Iran is saying in the same way? Yeah. Could it be drawing Turkey in with all of this? Interesting to me. And it's interesting right now, the U.S. response to Russia and Ukraine, which is good, giving arms and doing these sanctions. But I was thinking about how the U.S. isn't responding like before. Like, you know, in other countries, how the U.S. got into it, you know, like Vietnam, Afghanistan, you know, all, all that. But not against Russia, which made me think in Ezekiel 38, when Russia and the coalition countries attack Israel, that U.S. is not mentioned to come against Russia. Israel ends up being alone. Matter of fact, it seems to be a reference that the U.S. can only protest and complain. Could it be we're on right here at the verge of Russia after this whole Ukraine thing, however long it lasts, that the next thing is that Russia will try and attack Israel? It could be. Well, if you know and understand what Scripture says and what the signs of the end are, it very well could be that we're right there. And it all fits with the answers Jesus gives here of when will the end come. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word here, God. Thank you for sharing, Lord, 
with the disciples so that we could read today the prophecies of the end times, that we could discern, that we could interpret, that we can understand some of what's going on. We don't know everything. We don't know the exact day and hour. We don't know every little detail. And even events going on right now as we uh, lift up the country of Ukraine, the people there, God help them, bless them. But with Russia being in there, we know it's, it's a piece of, of, it's a pre-sign perhaps. It's something leading up to the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38, 39. But Lord, thank you that you share these things with us so that we're not at a loss of what's going on, that we can find security in you, that we can have some understanding to know that, oh, it looks like the end is coming soon. Thank you that it helps us, Lord, to have hope in you as we see prophecy being fulfilled and being set up. Thank you that it shows us that your word is true, that it does not pass away, and that if, if these prophecies are being fulfilled and, and being set up to be fulfilled, God, oh, we can trust in all of your promises, Lord. And, and, and when you tell us that you will be with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you have a plan for our lives and that you, you, you have purposes that you're working and orchestrating, God, that we can trust you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word. And Lord, I pray for every person at the sound of my voice, whether here or online, God, that you would help us to live for you knowing that we're in the last days, that we would pull out all stops, God, to dedicate our lives to you, to commit our lives to you. Lord, that we would surrender all to your will and what you want. That we would stop fighting, God, you, but we would surrender, Lord, and fall into your arms and become all that you want us to be. Lord, tonight we cannot do this alone. And we acknowledge that. Tonight, God, we say we need your help, God, and, and we need your strength. And we want to be people that rely upon you and not ourselves. So as we close, Lord, as we worship you, come, fill us with your spirit. Empower us to do your work, Lord. Give us courage and boldness, Lord, against the attacks of the enemy, and Lord, fill us with the joy of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.